The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Lift those hands. Father, let every ear be anointed to hear and every heart receptive to receive all that heaven has. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. I want to go to part three this morning of the World Economic Forum's Worst Nightmare. <laughs> Before I read the scripture, of course, we are talking about the church which that's their worst nightmare. That's why they wanted the church to be shut down. But they failed and will continue to fail because the church will not be shut down, but the church will be caught away. Can you say amen? And then whatever happens after that, amen, that's their business. Hallelujah. We'll do what the heaven we want, and they can do what the hell they want to. Can you say amen? While we do what the heaven we want to do. Can you say amen? Because this kingdom of the earth, is, this world is not our home. We are the hands and the feet and the mouth, the body of Jesus. We didn't say that. He said that. I want you to go with me to the book of Ephesians. Because you have to see this the way that Jesus sees it. You cannot see it the way man sees. And that's the problem that we're dealing with today. Many people see the way men see. But God wants you to see it the way he sees it. Ephesians 3 and verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Everybody say, I'm, I'm that family. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, everybody say the saints, not the ain'ts, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, throughout all ages, world without end. So I'm going to go with the Word of God rather than the words of stupid people, whether they be politicians or theologians. We're going to stay with the Word of the Lord. Now, if you go over to chapter 5, he begins to talk about walking in love, which that's the thing that they cannot stop when the church walks in love. They cannot stop it because love cannot be conquered. Are you with me? Because God is love. Fear will paralyze you. Fear is the realm where the devil lives. Love, I'm talking about that perfect love, is the realm that God is. He is love. And when he floods you with himself, then he floods you with his love, and his love knows no end or boundaries. And then your faith begins to work because it's in that environment 
where faith can work in perfect love. Faith cannot work in a fear environment. Are you with me? In a fear environment, it's hoping, hope. I hope it'll work out fine. But faith, obviously there's hope involved in it, faith, love, hope. But in perfect love, it's a done deal. Can you say amen? It's over. It's already determined. It's already predestined that if we walk in divine plan and purpose, then we get divine pattern. And the divine outcome will always be the same. There are men and women sitting here on this field today that God is demanding of you and requiring of you to go to another level. And if you don't, you'll go around the mountain another year or two or three. You'll keep going around the mountain. But if you'll uh, allow the Spirit of God to do a work on the inside of you and you'll make the changes, you won't go around the mountain. You'll walk into the place of promise of what God has said He would do in your life. Can you say amen? Now, let's, let's just read in chapter 5 because I want to get to something in. Maybe it's because we're coming up on our anniversary and I've just been thinking, you know, just I've been hanging out with my wife and I was looking at her and, and you know, concerned for her and whatever. And the Lord said, well, you know, that's how I look to my church every day. Yes, she is. She's, you know, looking after me. And, and I'm serving God. I'm looking after him. I'm doing everything I know every day to serve him. Are you with me? And then he's the same way about me as I am about him. In actual fact, he's more about me than I'm about him, if you can understand what I'm saying. But he says here, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us for an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And then he says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetous, let it not be a named among you as becometh the saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. For this we know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. But you were sometime darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Which, obviously, they don't want you to do that. And the way they get you not to do that is by getting you to disobey the Word of God. Are you with me? That's why they would try to make us obedient to the word of man, but we can't be obedient to the word of man. We have to obey the word of the Lord. Okay. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. How many could say with the up of the hand, Pastor, I did awake one time I was sleeping, but I rose, and I have received that light. He says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days of evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but be understanding what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. One of the things that you need to do is learn how to talk to yourself. Are you with me? You need to learn how to talk to yourself. Whether you believe it or not, most of you talk to yourself by yourself. How many spoke to yourself this morning? Oh, yeah, you talk to yourself. So he tells you, he says, speaking to yourself in Psalms, you've got to make sure that Psalms are coming out of your mouth and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God. That means even the littlest things, just thank him. 
be thankful. Walk outside, you see the birds. And I was watching the formation of, of the, the bird life right on the coast as they all would fly in formation. I just, look how beautiful the, as they just moved together. You watch the fish do the exact same thing. They all move in, in schools. That's why fish are not stupid, because they're taught. They go to school. Anyway, <laughs> it's the lonely fish that won't go to school that the shark gets. Are you with me? But giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Now, that submitting yourselves one to another comes into the context of the church. Whenever someone says, I'm not going to church anymore, and I'm going to be out there by myself, you, what you've done is you've cut yourself away so that nobody can be around you to even help you, to even look into your life, to even help you deal with even attitudes. And so that you should be totally open to have people around you that will say, hey, look, I've known you a long time. What you're doing right now is out in left field, my friend. And I love you. That's why I'm going to tell you this. You need to back up. Put your car in reverse down. You're about to go over the cliff. I don't know who you picked up. Maybe you think you're driving, you know, whoever. <laughs> but you need to tell them to get off at the next stoplight. Hello. Because you watch people going along fine and then suddenly there's a change in attitude and then they're moving off in the wrong direction. And I've watched this happen with business people. I've watched this happen with ministers. Nobody's immune from this. Somebody says, yeah, but people won't listen. Well, you have to give them the opportunity to listen. Somebody said, Pastor, what if they don't listen? You beg, you pray with them, but then they're going to have to deal with it themselves. They'll deal with the consequences. Everybody say, submitting myself, submitting myself. to my brother and sister. Yeah. So you're not out there by yourself, well, bless God, I know what I'm doing. I, nobody's saying anything to me. Okay. Well, you're about to go to a cliff. I don't care. It's my cliff. All right. A little while later. <laughs> I guess he, he, he got to his cliff. He was on a high, now he's on a low. As you hear the splat that comes from hitting the bottom of the canyon. Now, I'm going to bring this into the relationship with the husband and wife because I want you to see this. And I shared this probably six, seven Sundays ago. I shared along these lines, but this is what was in my spirit this morning. He says, wife, submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ was the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. So let's forget about husband and wives right now, even though that's what he's talking about. Let's think about Christ and the church. Everybody say, Christ and the church. So, in the context, he's talking about husband and wife. She and I are one together. 41 years. We've actually been together more than we were separate. Are you with me? I mean, when I met her, I was 19, she was 18. And now, 41 years later, we have been together with each other for double our lifetimes. She is me and I am her. We've become one together. Now, some of you say, well, that's impossible. I mean, you're not your wife and your wife's not you. No, but we are one together in the eyes of God. 
And that's just the way things work. And if you don't think that that counts, then go read Acts chapter 5, what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They both lied and they both died. Are you with me? Ananias came in, lied about the offering, dropped dead. Three hours later, Sapphira came in, she dropped dead. So a husband and wife, they're one together, the way God looks at everything. Somebody said, well, that's terrible. My husband's not even saved. Yeah, but because you are saved, you're actually covering your husband. He actually doesn't know how blessed he is. And I've seen it when a wife has lived in abuse with a husband into where she couldn't take it anymore. And the moment she separated herself, he was dead within one year. Because she actually was covering him by her faith and her prayers. So even though you might be married to a man that's not serving the Lord right now, you just keep speaking the word over him and believe God that he's going to turn around, that God's going to shake him. Are you with me? And turn his life around. We believe God for that. Can you say amen? Somebody said, well, I'll just get married to somebody else. Well, the grass is not green on the other side. The grass is green on the side that you water. Can you say amen? If you get married to somebody else, you're going to deal with another whole set of problems there because you don't know where they come from and where they've been and what can of worms they bring to the table. Hello. That's another subject which we won't get into right now. But as the husband's head of the wife, Christ is the head of the church. Say this often to me, Jesus is the head of the church. So when the World Economic Forum tried to shut the church down, they tried really to shut Jesus down. Somebody said, no, pastor, you can't say that. Yes, according to the scripture, when they touched the church, they touched Jesus. And when you touch Jesus, you are in trouble. It's not going to be good for you. He said, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. So let the church be to Christ in everything. Husband, love your wife. He loves the church. Even as Christ also loves the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify. That's what he does through the church. How many are sanctified? Yes. And cleansed it. How many being cleansed? With the washing of the water by the word. Why? So that he might present it to himself a glorious church, which this river group of people from every tribe and every tongue, as the shepherd here, along with many of the other shepherds that help us, that hold up our hands for the vision that God's called us to, our job is to make sure that every one of you make heaven, that every one of you stand before the Lord on that day, that every single one of you hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that every single one of you show up with a lot of heavenly treasure. Can you say amen? Well, I thought I'd get a bit more response out of that. That's why don't make it hard. Because everyone here is doing their best. Are you with me? Because God's going to hold us responsible. And I don't want me, I don't want one of you to miss heaven. Not one. Not one. I'd love to tell you that if I get to heaven and I find out that you're not there, I'm coming to hell and I'll bust you out of there. But it doesn't work that way. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why I'm going to preach as hard as I can this side. Are you with me? Because I can't get to heaven. Where's this one? No, he didn't make it. What? Come here. Bring this angel. Come here. We're gonna, I'm going to bust them out here. You know, it's like, it doesn't work that way. It sounds good. Somebody say, oh, Pastor Rodney's going to come bust me out. I can't. I'm going to bust you out right now. I'm going to bust you. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to bust you out of it. Now. Can you say Amen. You're not even going to get into that situation. It's not going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Everybody say glorious. Say the church is glorious. 
Say, it's getting even more glorious. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look more glorious than you did last Sunday. It says not having spot. Not having spot. Now, just so you know, spot is not your dog. Somebody said my dog's name is Spot. What do you mean I can't have Spot anymore? No, it's talking about being, being dirty, Spot. People show up, the shirt has a spot on it. That's the worst thing. Wear a, wear a white shirt, you're going somewhere, and then you've got coffee and the lid wasn't on, and, think, and it's right there. And now you've got the spot. Now you're trying to cover the spot. How many don't like to have a spot? Like even though most people can't see it. Somebody said, man, look, I've got the spot. Oh, it'll blend in. You won't see it. But it doesn't matter. You know it's there. And that's what irritates you. So you, you're always subconscious. I've got the spot. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. That's why if I wear a suit and a tie, I'm always, if I'm sitting at a meal, I always tuck the tie away or take the napkin and I do this to cover so that I don't end up with a spot on my tie. <laughs> that he might present it without spot or wrinkle. Wrinkles. Wrinkle. How many have a few wrinkles? Well, let me tell you. Forget about how you look on the outside. Spiritually, you're not going to have one wrinkle. Can you say amen? <laughs> <laughs> but that it should be holy and without blemish. So what we're going to see even happening the next couple of months and into the next year, you're going to see the wicked become more wicked. The insane become more insane. Devising even new ways of evil or not that it wasn't there all along. It's just becoming plain. It's coming now open for the public. Everybody can see it. And in actual fact, it's so bizarre, you don't believe it. You think, come on, nobody would do that. But they are. But on the other hand, you're going to see the church that's going to be without spot or wrinkle or blemish, pure and holy. And that's what the WEF cannot stop. They cannot stop a pure and a holy church with a living God. They cannot stop a church that's operating in the love of God. They cannot stop a church because the moment you operate in the love of God, you move into divine supernatural power of signs and wonders and miracles, and they have no answer for that. No answer whatsoever. There's a lot of people think that we try to go around and get miracles. We didn't try nothing. Somebody said, oh, they're trying to perform a miracle. We're not trying to perform anything. Oh, you go around and perform miracles. I don't do anything. I preach the Word, and I do what the Word says, and God does what He said. What do you, suddenly, you're a performer? Oh, yeah, He goes around and performs miracles. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I couldn't perform anything. God watches of his word to perform it. Hallelujah. So if you want to know who performs it, God performs it. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Everybody say, holy, without blemish. So ought men to love their wife as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So now, put that in the context of Jesus. If men ought to love their wife as their own body, he loves you as his own body. When you love your wife, how many here love your wife? Okay, there went, some hands went up very slowly there, but already <laughs> we're going to have to do something about that. Your hands should have shot up. Amen. How many of you will do whatever it takes to protect your wife? I want you to think about that in the context of him, how he loves the church, that he will do anything to protect the church. And that's why the WF has failed, will fail, and will continue to fail as long as the church walks the earth. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. For no man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth even the Lord the church, even as the Lord. So the Lord nourishes and cherishes the church. That's what's happening to you this morning. You're being nourished. And he wishes he could just show you how much he cherishes you. I mean, because this is always in the context of husband and wife, but parallel this straight into Christ and the church, and you begin to see a different picture here. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And then he says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined his wife, and there should to be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, because we're on a holiday, I get up early. And then I tiptoe around because I don't want to wake up her. I want to let her sleep. Amen. And then I have to wait for her to get up. And then she walks in and I go, how's my angel doing this morning? That doesn't mean that she always feels like she's an angel. But I, th I think she is. Probably did a great job fooling me for 41 years. So if I am moved, when I see her moving, I see her coming into the room, suddenly all my attention is focused on her. There she is, you know, how you doing, sweetie, whatever. What do you think he feels about us when we get up in the morning? Because he doesn't sleep. So he knows we sleeping. Amen. We get up in the morning, and he's just sitting there smiling because he knows we're going to go about his business, and we're going to wreak havoc on the camp of the wicked. And we're going to see what God does. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So remember, I told you this. I said, I prayed. I said, Lord, can you help me see people the way you see them? That's what I'm talking about here today. Do you know how many years I've taught on this passage of Scripture and never come from this angle? Because I always took it from man's angles upwards. But now I'm taking it from heaven's angle downwards. And when you look at it in that realm, you see it differently. How much he loves you. Sometimes you just have to go back to that song when we were kids. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I know this is simple stuff. So we said, Pastor, give us some deep revelation. The moment you can transition from seeing everything through earthly eyes and suddenly see things through heaven's eyes, everything changes. It looks totally different from his realm. From the earthly realm, it's the realm of impossibilities in many instances. From the earthly realm, it's the end. From the earthly realm, it's failure and defeat in the natural because all the experts are saying this and the experts are saying that. But really an expert is just a drip under pressure. A spurt? Are you with me? An expert? That's all an expert is. But when you move from the realm of the natural into the realm of the supernatural and the eyes of your understanding enlightened and suddenly you realize from heaven's viewpoint that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, all things are under your feet, that you are part with him and he is part with you. Your life is hid with Christ in God, that in him you live and move and have your being. That means that this week will be a victorious week because you are his hands and his feet. I tell you this every Sunday. And I will continue to tell you every Sunday until every one of you are walking in the reality of it. Because then you begin to see people differently. That doesn't mean to say you're not going to get irritated. Somebody said, oh, that means I'll never get irritated again with anybody. Oh, no. <laughs> that doesn't mean that. I wish I could tell you that means you'll never get irritated again. Love, walking the love of God has got nothing to do with irritation. Hello. The more you get irritated, the more you have to walk in love. Are you with me? <laughs> so somebody said, I can really irritate it. I just want to get away from the irritation. Well, they're going to be irritants. They're going to be things that come around and irritate you. And then you're going to be able to find out how much love you have. Are you with me? And maybe you weren't the hotshot lover you thought you were. Hmm. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm walking in the love of God. Okay, we'll find out Tuesday morning. Because here's the thing, we're dealing with a generation 
what, what is this generation? I can never work out what that's called. The Z? Generation Z? Whatever. Okay, so <laughs> the moment you deal with Z, they think you don't love them. Are you with me? The moment you bring any correction, he doesn't love me. <laughs> Love's got nothing to do with it. The moment you try to bring any correction to Z, Z says, I love you. And you say, look, love's got nothing to do with it. I never stop loving you. Dad is wrong. He yeah, but I love you. I know. I love you too. That's why I'm telling you. It's wrong. Oh, you mean you still love me? Yes. Yes, Z, I still love you. So, and don't think that the other generations haven't adopted Z's attitude. Because I'm dealing with millennials. <sighs> the moment you bring any corrective, he doesn't love me. That's the first thing that goes there. Or they don't love me. You love them. You, you don't love them less. You love them even more because you realize how messed up they are. Are you with me? Love's got nothing to do with not correcting somebody because that's what people don't understand. If you don't love people, you won't correct them. You won't bring correction. You won't hold them accountable to the Word of God. And you won't hold yourself accountable to the Word of God. Is this helping anybody here today? How many are beginning to see the correlation between Christ and the church in relationship to the way he loves us, nurtures us, feeds us, leads us, guides us. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. May your eyes be open today and may you see this from heaven's point of view. Now, I say all that because over the years, I've looked back and I rem remember situations that were pretty, how can I say, drastic, where things were imminent, where I actually, I told you last Sunday, when I had my 50th birthday, we took everybody, that was 11 years ago, took everybody away, all my family, the kids, grandbabies. And I said to them, I said, uh, you know, this could be the last family vacation we have because I knew what was coming and I didn't know what it looked like. Are you with me? So go back 11 years and I'm telling them this could be the final family vacation that we have together. But here we are 11 years later. So what I'm trying to tell you is every day or every week there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes and volcanoes and hurricanes and whatever hell or the earth is groaning and travailing waiting for the day of release and everybody's always going to be saying oh it's the end and whatever and the politicians are always going to be coming along promising you it'll all be uh, different if you voted for them and then you vote for them and it doesn't it goes more down the swirl of the toilet are you with me it's just the change of the toilet bowl the cover the color changed and you're being swirled with some new detergent, so you feel like, hey, woo-wee. You know, this is really great, but you're still being flushed. It doesn't really matter. The bottom line is, for some of you that lived through the last 50, 60, even 70 years, some that came out of the Second World War, lived through the Korean War, lived through the Vietnam War, lived through all of these things, you've seen stuff happen, and everything looked like it was in upheaval. Today, we're dealing with the craziest of times and the craziest situations where um, I wonder, can you do something? Because I never got to put it on the news this morning. Can you put the, the clip about the military? You need to switch the sound off because I don't like the music on it. Just put the clip of the military. How many military are committing suicide and in comparison to the wars? So if you can do that, don't play the sound on the clip. Just put the clip up and do it. 
don't wait for me, just stick it up and then the people can see it. So we're living in crazy times. And uh, when, you, when you see what we're up, and up against and you see what we're dealing with, then you realize only the power of God can intervene. So what's going to bring about a transformation in this realm? It's going to be the church. It's going to be the body of Christ that's going to go into this realm and deliver God's people and set the captives free and get people saved, healed, set free, and delivered. Just like the homeless couple of what God has done in their life and transformed their lives in five months. And so we're going to see this take place in our life. Just roll it, guys, please. It's right there in the feed. I wanted to show you this because people don't realize the urgencies on the church. Are you with me? You are his hands and his feet. So the urgency is really on the church. Jesus is actually waiting for the church. So what do you find in many circles? Oh, we need to pray. We need to pray and ask God. Yeah, but we pray and what happens? God tells us to go and do something about it. That's how it works. That's why we've been doing these Friday nights of prayer and praise. How many have been pressing in on the Friday nights of prayer and praise? Three of you. That's phenomenal. We're going to see mountains move this next Friday night. will be another night of prayer and praise. But what is so important, and as you begin to pray, as you begin to ask God about these things, God then speaks to you and gives you the solution. Okay, that's the problem, and you're going to go do something about it, because I find many people that are part of the body of Christ, all I hear them doing is moaning about everything. All they do is moan. They moan constantly. They whine constantly. They gripe constantly. How bad things are. Tell you, we need to change or whatever. Well, get up off your blessed assurance, you ugly thing. What are you doing to bring change other than talking? Everybody you know, pray for the kids that are being trafficked. Go do something about it. Pray for it. Tell me to pray. We've already prayed. What's up with you people? I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the big people on the chat rooms. Let's all pray. Let's all pray. We're doing something. You might be part of a church that's not doing something, but we are doing everything we can within the power that we have here on the earth as we pray, as God tells us what to do. You pray and then you go get up and you go do exactly what God tells you to do. And each one of you have a heavenly assignment, which is different from somebody else. That's why everybody has to take their place. Each one is a piece of the puzzle to accomplish heaven's plan and purpose. Roll it. Have a look at this graph. Do not play the music. This is compared to Iraq and Afghanistan, all the deaths of our soldiers, and this is the suicide that's taking place. That's put out by mentalhealth.va.gov. Killed in action versus veteran suicide. So, okay, so in Iraq and Afghanistan, You've got those deaths and then the suicide that's there. And that's actually underreported. I said that's underreported. So let me ask a question. Do you think Afghanistan and Iraq are the problems? So in other words, the problem has to be, be at a governmental level with inside the organizations that these young men are being used as cannon fodder? Hello? So I'm praying that God raise up somebody who's going to head up a whole veterans organization here within the church where we're going to reach them in the city of Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete, the whole central Florida area, and start reaching them and see their lives turned around and changed. Come on. Come on. Everybody talks about the casualties of war. That's the casualty of just being inside an organization that's gone totally woke.
How many find that shocking? Underreported. In actual fact, in many of the homeless situations of veterans who just can't even deal with what they see, what they saw, or what they were a part of. So I realized this a long time ago. I can't do everything, but I, we can help facilitate that. That there's people here yeah, within the body that will say, that's, that's going to be my passion. That's going to be my call. I'm going to reach out in this group. I'm going to reach out in that group. And together, we're all going to get the job done. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. And that these men are not going to throw their life away, but they're going to throw their life into the hands of Jesus. Can you say amen? And I'm talking about some of them are young. They're young. They're 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. Because everybody thinks a veteran, they must be 55, 60. No. They're just people have been sucked in the intake valve and spat out the back end of it. That's why you'll be driving down the road and you see something and then suddenly you come to a screeching halt. You jump out of your car and when you walk up, it's just like Jesus walked up. You, you were his hands and his feet and his mouth and you walked right into the middle of that situation and turned it around. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray over this church. May there be more of your hands and your feet and your mouth, even this next week, than they've ever been before. Thank you that we will never be too busy not to see the harvest. And thank you that we will look at each person the way that you see them. Not through the eyes of man, but through heaven's eyes. And I pray even upon them, even now, but Lord, we know the only thing we can take with us is people. Let us not be so busy, consumed on the mission, whether, we, whether you've called them to be one of the 300 multi-millionaires, let's not be so consumed to try to bring in the provision for the harvest that we actually miss the harvest. Let us be bringing in the provision for the harvest while we bring in the harvest. And I thank you for that. Thank you that sitting here today on your hands, your feet, and your mouth, your body. Thank you that sitting on this field here in Tampa, Florida today is the World Economic Forum's worst nightmare. Father, I know that there are people that feel like, well, I'm just one person, but I thank you that that light, however small it might be, shall get brighter and brighter and brighter. And then collectively, as we come together, it shall be brilliance of the glory of God that shall be displayed to a lost and a dying world. And I thank you for that. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want you just to bow your heads across this field today. And for those of you that are watching in your homes, I want to give an invitation. If you fit into any one of these three categories, maybe you came here today. You say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're clicking through the channels and you say, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
Friend, I want to ask you a question. What would happen if you died today? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid and the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all of their guilty stain. Father, we just thank you for that. Thank you that this today shall be a life-changing moment for many watching in their homes and those on this field. And then maybe you've come here today and you say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord many years ago, but I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should. There was a time when I was on fire, but somehow that fire went out. And today I want to come back. I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I want to come back to my first love when you pray for me. Maybe it's something hidden that no one can see. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things that clog the heart of man. But today you say, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Maybe it's something outward that all can see and you feel, well, helpless. Everybody knows how bad I am and there's no hope for me. But that's a lie from hell. The very fact that you're sitting here today or you're tuning in means that you're not done yet. God's not finished with you. But tonight, today, would you surrender yourself? Would you surrender your life afresh to him and say, yes, Lord. Maybe you were serving God and you were on fire. and Maybe the Lord even used you to lead people to Jesus in days gone by. But something happened that rocked your world. A storm came against your life, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked your world. But today you say, you know, I'm coming back. I'm going to come back. I'm going to fall in love with Jesus all over again. And today is a new beginning for me. He loves you so very much. Will you surrender to him? today. Maybe you're sitting here, you're watching, and you say, Pastor, I did give my life to the Lord. I love Him. I am serving Him, but I do not have the assurance that I'm saved. I don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm a child of God, and I want that assurance today. Remember, God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the heart. We either hot, lukewarm, or cold. And this is not the hour to be lukewarm. This is the hour to be radically on fire for God. Will you surrender to him today? Will you say, yes, Lord Jesus? He loves you. If this is you and you fit into any one of these three categories, I want to pray with you and for you right where you are. Quickly, put your hand up and say, pray for me right now. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? All the way through the back, at the back there, on the left side, on the right side, hands are going up and say, yes, Lord. Yes, just slip it up high, slip it up high and say, yes, yes, yes. Even in your homes, just put it up high and say, yes, Lord. I want you to put your hands down. I want you to look at me, if you would, please. Over on this far side, yeah, you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included in the prayer. We're going to pray. Quickly, put your hand up right now and say, include me. Anybody else? Right at the back. Anybody else? The middle section, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Slip your hand up right now. Right at the back there. I see you had another hand there. Anybody else? On the far side over here, you didn't raise your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? All the way to the fence. Slip it up high and say yes. I want every person that raised your hand, if you would stand to your feet right now, please. All across the field, stand to your feet. Even in your homes, if you stand to your feet right now. I'm going to ask that you come. Bring your personal belongings and just come. Make your way down the aisle. Come stand right here. We're going to pray together right now. Come. I should if you'd help them. I have to follow Jesus. I have decided 
to follow Jesus. Just come right now. Just come right now. To follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. You can take the whole world. But give me Jesus. You can take the whole world. But give me Jesus. You can take the whole world. But give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Now let me say this. Sometimes you'll see some people come two, three, four, five times and even more. Don't worry about that. When people have got it, they won't, they won't go anymore. The bottom line is that we have an altar that's open for people to come. Are you with me? You that are in your homes, I want you to stand. And we, as I pray with them, I want you to pray with me. I want everybody standing here to look at me right now. If you mean business with God, God means business with you. I want you to just close your eyes and raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And pray this together with me right now. You in your homes, pray this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead. I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me and use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on. I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now lift both hands to heaven and let me pray over you. Father, I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation, we pray 
In Jesus' name, I break every curse of witchcraft. I send it back to its point of origin right now by the power of the blood of Jesus. And we set the captives free. Every addiction, we break it in Jesus' name and set your people free from all bondages and captivity that they leave this field today totally transformed by the blood of the Lamb. And we thank you for that now in Jesus' name. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.